0: Hey, welcome to the LifeHouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people, and we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. If this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith, subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode, and share it with someone you know who may need it too. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get to this week's episode.
1: And today, I want to talk talk to you about how you can be a hope dealer, how you can be a hope dealer, a hope giver this Christmas season. Because ultimately, here's the thing, right? God just doesn't want to give hope to you. He wants to give hope through you, okay? He doesn't just want to give hope to you. He wants to give hope through you. And whenever we say hope, right, that can be sort of, of this generic word that we kind of like, what does it actually mean? Means so really, you know, we see hope as being both, both, and so last Sunday, right? You guys showed up and showed out. Let me show you. We provided or or we are providing Christmas for 140 families in the city of Newport News, and that is because of you and your generosity. So thank you so much. Give yourselves a hand. Many of you gave and gave and, and gave generosity. This is a part of giving hope, but this is not just what hope is. Hope is practical, and the thing is, it's also spiritual. Hope is giving gifts, but also, too, hope, right at its core, is giving people what their soul needs and what their soul craves, and that is a Savior, and that is the Savior Jesus. So the thing is, we just don't want to give gifts. We want to give gifts and Jesus. We just don't want to give Jesus. We also want to also give them something, because sometimes the barrier to somebody hearing about, about Jesus is they need to see and feel love, Right? So God just doesn't want to give hope to you. God wants to give hope through you. I want to talk to you today about how to be a hope dealer. And if there's anything that I see within, within Scripture, it is the fact that God will use anybody. Everyone say everybody. everybody. Anybody and everybody. Anybody and everybody that is available to him to be used. Literally anyone. And you can see in Scripture, let me give you a couple examples. Noah. Noah was a drunk. Everyone, yeah, Noah built the ark, and then like a few chapters after that, he was like getting drunk and naked, like he was at a frat party or something, right? David, yeah, David, King David killed Goliath, you know, but he also had some other guy killed because he was sleeping with his wife. Jeez. Sorry, sorry kids, this isn't kids' church. Uh, I've got my kids in here. I need to probably watch how I talk. Uh, Joseph, was, uh, Joseph was abused, Elijah was suicidal. Jonah was a coward and ran from God. Rahab was a prostitute. Gideon was afraid. Moses stuttered. That's why he's he's my boy. Uh, Paul killed Christians. Peter was a liar and scared. Thomas was a doubter. Zacchaeus was short. Abraham was old. Lazarus was dead. What's your excuse? What excuse do you give God as to why he can't use you? What excuse do you give him Do you say, Man, God God couldn't use me. I'm too fill in the blank. I say too many cuss words. I've done too many things in the past. We say things like, God, you, you, you got no, it. it's like that John, that's why we pay you. You're the professional. That's where I drop my twenty dollars in each week. It's just so you can go and do do the I'm gonna come get my church thing on and, and check my box off, and you just you go do the prayer thing. You go do th- the ministry thing. When 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 y'all that, that that is not my job scripturally as as a pastor is to be the professional. My job is to equip you to go out and be the hands and feet and representation of Jesus in this world. Now you've probably you've probably heard this statement of you, you build the plane as you're flying it. Anyone ever said that? Okay, no one. So apparently, no one's heard or heard of it. Uh, okay, uh, well, we've said it a whole lot. Where kind of like the framework is 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 like sometimes in in life, it feels like you're 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 building it as you're doing it. Marriage is a great example. You're building that relationship as you're doing it. Not a lot of relationships come perfectly complete before you say the I do you say that I do and then it's like holy think like i had no idea how hard this was going to be and you're building the relationship as you're doing it your family you got kids like you're you're trying to build your family while you're doing life with your family and the truth is this right god will use you as he's building you god will use you as he's changing you and if you wait for perfection you will never be used because you will never be perfect And the longer you wait, the longer God says, I'm here, I'm waiting, give me what you got. I believe God's waiting for you to give him what you got. God is looking for bodies to fill. God has has always chosen to put his to put his light in dark people, to take his light into a dark world. God is looking for bodies to fill. The problem is that people are so full of themselves, Jesus can't find any room. It's crazy how Christmas, uh, whenever it says Jesus could not find a place to stay, was so symbolic. I think Jesus is looking for for people to fill. He's looking for bodies to fill. You can even see one of the things Jesus, Jesus said, one of his first be attitudes, right? Whenever he did the Sermon on the Mount, one of the, the, the first thing he said was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like, that's kind of weird. Like, well, why would, Blessed are you who are poor? Like, that kind of seems weird. What Jesus was actually saying, Blessed are those who have room for me. Blessed are those who are not so full of themselves and they're poor in their own spirit that they have room for Jesus to come in and fill. He was saying, blessed are those who got some space for me. One of the first ways to get into the kingdom of God is to actually make room for him. That's why the song, let every heart do what? Prepare Prepare him room. God is looking for people to fill. St. Saint, uh, Saint Teresa said this. She said, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. The way that God has chosen to show himself love this world is not through professionals. He has chosen to show it through people that say, I've got room, and God, you can fill me. Broken people, dark people, hurting people, just like us. And the funny thing is, is whenever we say, God, you can come and fill this body, you can, you can come and fill Simply what we're doing is saying, you can, God, you can fill what is already yours. Because the thing is, whenever we start to follow Christ, what you are essentially saying is, God, I'm giving you back what is already yours. Because I don't know if you know this. You might have a f- physical birth, but, but, but God is the one that, that ultimately gave you the right to live. He gave you your body. He gave you the opportunity to to breathe and to have life. So whenever you say, God, I want to give my body back to you, you're simply giving back to him what's already his. And what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 6 that I think is so powerful, and the context here is, is he's actually talking about um, sex and, and kind of how th- the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body and basically the context here is he is saying whenever you think about how you are to act sex, sexually, you are to actually give your body to the Lord first and live your sex life in light of him. But that's a, but that's a separate sermon. Uh, we can't get, we got, we, we got kids in the service, so we can't be going into that. But honestly, here, this is what Paul dives into. He says this, don't you realize, and he's talking to a church he planted in the city of Corinth, a very godless church. This was a church that was fighting and divided over spiritual gifts. They were fighting and divided over who was more spiritual, who had the most spiritual gifts. This was a pretty messed up church, but but this is what Paul says. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must Honor God with your body. I can't tell you how revolutionary this thought process that Paul said here was back in this time. And let me tell you why. Because back in Paul's time, gods and spirits only dwelt in temples, in physical temples. So you would go to a temple, you would do your sacrifice, and you would go in and you would meet with the gods, you would meet with the spirits. You had to be physically in a building built by human hands to encounter God. And Paul was saying, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's a load of garbage. As a follower of Christ, you don't go to to a temple and God fills it. You are the temple and God fills you. Do you see how revolutionary that is? And, And honestly, what makes Christianity different? We don't go to us building, a place on this planet and say, hey God, fill me. We say, God, I'm yours, I'm the temple, I'm the building, fill me with your spirit and your power and all that includes. Do you know what you have access to? Do you know what has been made available to you? That you are the temple and God wants to fill you. God is looking for bodies, the film and whenever i think about the christmas story i think about one particular person when whenever i think about this and i think about who mary cuz god literally filled her body and she said god you can have my body you can god if i got a womb you got a womb if you need my womb it's yours so we're going to look at today mary's story and how Mary ultimately gave hope, brought the hope of the world into this world, and we're going to see six things from her life that we can learn how to be a hope dealer, how to be a hope giver. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, and, and, and this is Mary's story. But the angel said to her, look, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked a great question. Um, hey, uh, excuse me, Gabriel. Um, how will this be since I am a virgin? Um, <laughs> the angel answered, good question, right? Thoughts here quickly. Pray for your boy because I got to get through these six in a limited amount of time. Okay. First off, you don't have to be you don't have to be special. The first thought, whenever I look at Mary's story, is to be used by God and to bring hope. You don't have to be special, right? Because I think some of us we we think God chooses people just because He likes them better, or because they're better looking, or because they have better skills, better 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 giftings. And what I see here is that whenever the angel Gabriel came and he said, Mary, you are highly favored. So I think sometimes we think, well, man, she must have like when she was younger and in Sunday school, she learned more scriptures than the other kids. Or man, like she must like have done something really, really special for God to like her more. But honestly, when this, this word favor within the Greek language is actually the Greek word charity, which is An offshoot of the word charity, which charity is the Greek word for grace. So basically, what Gabriel came and and said was, "Hey, Mary, you are highly graced." And do you know what that do you know what that word grace means? Unearned favor, meaning she did nothing to earn it. She did nothing to be chosen. She was not special. She was not better than. It was as God in his sovereignty chose Mary to be the one that he would bring hope through. It wasn't because, I mean, and really this might be totally, totally un- unbiblical, and but I'm just throwing it out there. I wonder if someone said no to God. and she was and she was just the one that said yes cuz she wasn't special it was grace and when you think about how powerful that word grace is like grace is how we're saved as christians like think about this Ephesians 2 it says for it is by grace you have been it is by grace unearned favor that you have been saved through faith through trust and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. What this, like grace means, you did nothing to earn it, you were simply given it as a gift, that's what makes it grace. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have been grace, meaning you are not saved because you are better, than you are saved because of what Jesus did, and you simply receive it by grace, through your faith and trust in him, and you are made right with God because of your faith, not because of your good works. Scripture actually says your good works are like filthy rags in God's eyes. Thanks, God. No, but the point is, is because Jesus plus anything ruins it. Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is his work. It is his doing. It is his grace. And we can see Mary was graced by God and called by God to be the one to bring hope through. And if you are a Christ follower, you have been graced. You have been graced, and therefore hope can come through you because hope has been given to you, not because of what you've done, but because God in His sovereignty chose you. You don't have to be special. So stop thinking, well, when I get to this point, then God will will use me. No, God is looking for bodies to fill, and it's not about how special you are, it's about how available you are. You do not have to be special. Secondly, though, you don't have to be privileged. I know that's a loaded word. <laughs> but honestly, the truth is, is this. You don't have to be advantaged. I want to just break down to you. What, I mean, just think about in this culture that Mary was in. She was an unwedded woman that was going to be a mother Like three scarlet letters in that culture that would have put her status so far down, she would have been almost next to a slave. And that's who God chose to bring his hope through. Someone that did not have status. Because here's the thing, right? You don't need status to be significant in God's eyes. This is so good. Because some of you think that if you're going, going to make a difference, you need a certain status. You need a certain position. And what I would see in Scripture, that is the opposite of the way it works. God typically chooses to work through people of the lowest status. Why? Because when God works through them, there can be no doubt who made it happen. I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but I love this. It, uh so, there's 10 things that require zero talent. Basically, saying it doesn't matter if you're the janitor or the CEO. If you do these 10 things, they require zero talent. Being on time. Dwayne isn't here, right? Like if Dwayne was here. If you know Dwayne Goodrich, he's a pastor on staff here, he's got the spiritual gift of being late. We try to help them, but, man, just this, you know, life change through Christ happens in steps. So we're trying to help them, you know what I'm saying? But honestly, you know, I mean, 10, ten things that, that require your time. Being on time, work ethic, effort, body language, energy, passion, attitude, being coachable, doing extra, being, being prepared. Essentially saying, and you know, and you know this is true. If you have team members in your workplace, in your family, whatever, that you know if they do these things, it doesn't matter what their status is, they will be significant. And though this is kind of a, a, uh, a different way of saying it, is within the kingdom of God and the way that God works, there are things that you can bring and things that you can have that it doesn't matter what your, status of what your status is. Within the kingdom of God, you can have significance if you bring things with a, diff- with a different list, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control, and wisdom, and hope. You can make a difference for the Lord and be used by him no matter what your status is in the eyes of this world. Because, as I said, your status in God's eyes does not matter. He will make you significant. And that's what I love in that's what I love here. Mary did not let her unprivileged self determine what God could do through her. Next. It's okay to have doubts. You don't you don't have to be privileged, you don't have to be special. But also, I love here, if you want to be a hope dealer, a hope giver, and this might seem counterintuitive, oxymoronish, but it's okay to have some doubts. It's called being a human. And I think some of you think, well, you know what, I kind of question, you know, it's like you've got questions that you kind of keep inside because I think sometimes you've been taught in church if you ask questions, that's just as bad as thinking something different. And I think sometimes the church has been the worst place to ask questions. But I love how even... Mary responded back to an angel. We ain't talking about a pastor. We talk about an angel. And she's um yes, angel Gabriel. I'm greatly troubled. And how will this be? <laughs> you know? Like she had some doubts. And it was okay. The you know, Gabriel didn't like, you idiot woman like, argh. But also, too, I love how Jesus handled doubters. Even one of Jesus' disciples was a doubter. Thomas was called what? Doubting Thomas. How would you like to be called that disciple? I'd be stuttering John. Like, yeah, Doubting Thomas. Like, that's your nickname. And I just love, even when Jesus rose from the dead and Thomas saw him, he was still doubting. And how did Jesus handle his doubts? He did not say, "Thomas, you moron. How dare thee get behind me, Satan." All right? He's he said, "Hey, Thomas. Look. You can see it. I love you, Thomas." Mary had doubts. And I think if we're sometimes going to be honest in giving hope, we've got to come face-to-face and deal with our doubts. Because there will be some things that God calls, calls the, the, the God calls you to that are not going to make sense to the human eye and the human mind. I'll just be candid. Whenever God was like, hey, yo, you're going to preach, it's like, yo, okay. It's going to be the longest sermons ever. Right? But here... Really, too, here's the thought though. Some of you feel like you've got deficiencies. Some of you feel like you've got these huge holes, and, and you're like, how, how in the, just the circumstance and what I see does not make sense? Here's the thought Could it be that God intentionally left some deficiencies in your life so He could fill them? God called Mary to do something that she could not physically do herself. She needed God. You can't be a virgin and birth a baby. Because typically it takes dose, takes two. But could it could it be that sometimes God leaves some things intentionally, intentionally out of you so he can fill in the gaps that you, that you see and that you feel? Some of you get on yourself for not being too much of this or too much of that or because your personality is different or because... You don't have to get, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can, you, 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 can, you, you know, you can just disqualify yourself instead of, of saying it's this place of deficiencies where, here's the thing, where you will meet and see a side of God that you would not see unless you had that deficiency. I can't tell you how many times where God has met me in my stuttering. And the just, just, just the overwhelming feeling of just like, God, if you don't show up, this is going to be terrible. And how time after time after time, God has met me at my place of need. And some, and some people, I think you struggle to see God's real because you've got so much strength. Or so-called strength. And you're scared of having defi- you're scared of having holes. You're scared of having weaknesses. You're you're just scared. But honestly, and and really, I love how in 2 Corinthians twelve, Paul. This is one of one of of my favorite passages. Where in 2 Corinthians twelve, Paul talks about this thorn. Have you ever talked about like Have you ever heard the slogan "thorn in the flesh"? That came from the Bible in 2 Corinthians twelve, where Paul. Was talking about his experience where he said, I've got this thorn in my flesh. He didn't name the thorn, and I'm glad he didn't because all of our thorns are different. Everyone's got a different thorn. Everyone's got something that just keeps on poking. Whether it's a person, come on, somebody. Whether it's a kid, none of my kids, though. My kids are great. Right? May, may, you know, possibly it's some sort of like e- emotional thing. It's a mental health thing. It's a physical thing. It's a financial thing. It's an an educational thing. It just keeps on poking and poking and poking and poking and poking. And you've even prayed for God to take it away. can't tell you how many times like, God, you want me to preach? You better heal my stuttering. And even Paul said that the thorn he was having, he prayed that God would take it away, and God said no. Literally said no to Paul. I'm like, bruh. You're going to answer someone's prayer. You're going to answer Paul's prayer. Like he wrote one third of the New Testament. I'd be mad if I was Paul. Like for real, Paul? Like, like seriously, God, you're going to not answer my prayer? But said he did, he, that he said no three times. But then Paul, as he was processing God's no, he said, let me tell you what I've learned in this process. I have seen a side of God that I would have not seen unless I had this weakness. And then he said, my grace, he said, what God said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. To where Paul even said, when I am weak, this, is what, this, this was his conclusion from God saying no and him dealing with his thorn. When I am weak, then I am strong. And could it be your greatest weakness is the place that God wants to meet you in, that God wants to meet you at? Because that's what happened. Mary, she said, how's this going to be, God? You see, physically, it's not going to work. How's it going I'm greatly troubled. But then, but then Gabriel responded back, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He said, where your, where your deficiency is, God's going to fill the gap. And that's what I want to challenge you with. God is waiting to fill your gaps if you let him Fourthly, you don't have to be what what's what's the first one? You don't have to be special. you don't have to be privileged third. It's okay to have doubts right. The worship leader over here is getting it for you guys, so you know he's the smart one in the crowd i'm just I'm just kidding. The fourth one, though, is uh, no word from God. Will, God's word will never fail. Gabriel responds back. He says, the Holy Spirit will come, will come upon you and fill the gaps. But also, too, Mary, let, let me remind you, if God said it, it's going to happen. And one of the things that I think we've got to transition in our thinking, in the way we think about God, A.W. Tozer said this, what you think about God or what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So when you think about God, what comes into your, what comes into your mind? Who is God to you when you think about him? I think if we're probably honest, we probably think about God as kind of being this kind of just person up in the air, barking out thou shalts and thou shalt nots. And kind of this grumpy old man up there waiting to just bash you, waiting to find you doing something you shouldn't be doing, and waiting to just nail you down. And it's really interesting, whenever you look, you look at this book, Bible scholars say that there are between 7,800 and 8,000 promises that God makes from himself to people in the 1,189 chapters within the Bible. Almost 8,000 promises that God makes to people, and only 1,600 commands. Like, John, what what does that have to do with anything? 8,000 promises from God Himself to you, 1,600 commands. God is not a God of thou shalt and thou shalt not. He's a God of promises, He is a promise keeper. And 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 y'all, that's that's what the the Bible is not some outdated book that just has a bunch of just do this and do that. The Bible is a recorded history of God's faithfulness in the past. Israel is a story. Israel is us. Cycle. We we love you, God. God uh, God God blesses you. Thank you, God. Oh, we don't need God now. They go off, do their own thing. God has to discipline them, and then it's, this, it's, this, it's, it's us, y'all. But you see the faithfulness of God, and then the faithfulness of God to build his church and keep his church in some of the most persecuted times. I can't stand when Christians get scared about the church, what's the word, leaving, or the church not flourishing. The church won't die, y'all. Church can't stop. Jesus said, I'm gonna start my church and the gates of hell can't stand against it. No matter what the government says, no matter who the president is, no matter what our freedoms are, the church of God will never be defeated. And that's his promise. And I believe that and we've seen it. But y'all, the, the, the truth, God is a God of promises and that's what, that's what Gabriel was saying. He was just like, Mary, just let you know. What I'm saying came straight from God. God promised it and goal happened. No word from him has ever failed. And I think today that some of you need to be reminded if God said it, he'll do it. Might not be according to your timing or how you want it. But if God said it, he'll do it. Fifthly, how to be a hope dealer. Let your response be like Mary's who she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What she was essentially saying was, God, if I got it, you got it. If I got a womb, you got a womb. If I got a dollar, Lord, you you got a dollar. If I got a voice, you got a voice. If I got a car, you you got a car. If I got a home, you got a home. She was basically saying, Lord, here I am. I am available. And and really, I prayed that really honestly, as a church, we would have a church full of people corporately and individually that this would be our response when God calls us. Lord, whatever you want, you got it. Fill us. Fill us. But also too, one small part. Keyboard, you can come up. Um one you know once once one small part here after Mary's response and her commitment. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then it says this. Then the angel left her. Then the angel left her. You might be like, hey, John, that's, what does that have to do with anything? And I think it's really interesting how Mary made the commitment with Gabriel there when it was probably the mountaintop moment. The feeling, you know, you kind of had the Holy Spirit goosebumps going on. Anyone ever been there? Just just like that? That comes on. And it's like, oh man, the Holy Spirit just showed up. The keyboard's on. Right? Feels so good in here, you know? The atmosphere just got set. Right? But it's just like how we we can so many times make decisions and choices on the mountaintop when it feels good, when all the circumstances, yes Lord my bank account's full, my relationships are good, I'm here use me Lord I'm available in the mountaintop moment, so she made the commitment at the mountaintop but then the angel left Mountaintop moment, gone. And then she had to do what? Then she had to follow through on the commitment she made in the mountaintop. She had to follow through with her commitment in the valley. Because then she had to get pregnant. Then she had to go through pregnancy. And I, you know, I just say, it's like, I know my wife's been pregnant three times. And I know some of the things she said to me when she got pregnant. This is your baby. Never again. Get away from me. I don't ever want you to be near. You know, it's like, she. (laughs) Like, can you just imagine Mary like, God, this is your baby. I got these cravings, honey and locusts. I need some milk. I need some cheese. I ain't got no goats. Lord, this is your baby. Like, I can just imagine the, the tenacity she had to have in the valley to follow through on the commitment she made in the mountaintop. And it says that the angel left her, but you can see Mary, and this is what I pray for you, is that, here's the thing, Mary had the spirit of follow through. And my prayer is that you would have a spirit a follow through the, the commitments you make when it feels good when you're here's the thing at the altar like Jesus I love you I'm here or what I'm saying marriage altar promise to love this woman treat her right and then you get into the real life I see somebody here like tapping someone on the shoulder, like that's that's you, honey. That's you, right? Like immediate conviction, right? No, no but I pray that we would be a church of follow-through. I pray that you would be a person of follow-through, that even when the angel leaves, even when the good moments leave, you would follow through on the commitment you made to do the Lord's will and to have the Lord use you. Because we see that is one of the great things about Mary, is she committed on the mountaintop but she followed it through in the valley giving birth in a freaking barn it's like every circumstance leading leading up to the birth was pain and probably craziness having to get on a camel and like go across you know i mean i mean just absolute insanity but i'm telling you y'all in the moment make the commitment but also to say God give me the spirit of follow through so I can follow through on what I'm, on the commitment that I am making now y'all God just doesn't want to bring hope to you he wants to bring hope through you you don't have to be special you don't have to be privileged it's okay to have doubts no word from God will ever fail make yourself available and have a spirit of follow of follow through to finish up I want to read here. Saint Teresa, one more time. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. God needs your body.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard or said yes to Jesus for the first, second, or third time today, please reach out to us at LifeHouseNN.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next steps in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 1030 a.m. at LifeHouseOnline.com or in person for a live worship service at 8.30 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit LifeHouseNN.com for more information or to reserve your live worship service spot today.